happy day Rosso Garcia with Y Jesus hi there friends it's been a while I've been pondering much and thinking about our current times and why Jesus is so important to all of us um, especially in my life and so hoping to share some of those things that I've been pondering on through some of the Come Follow Me lessons that we are currently doing. Uh, so for those of you that are new, welcome and glad you're here. And just doing a little disclaimer that I'm not a professional podcaster, nor do I have any certification on anything I say. I'm not a scriptorian. I'm simply just sharing things that have helped me in my life and hopefully there is something there that can help you. And big disclaimer, I do my best to have these be as clear um, as possible. I miss. I may misread something or I may have interruptions from time to time from um, little furry friends in my home or family that shows up unexpectedly, etc. So I apologize for those interruptions, but I will do my best to make it the best as possible. So um, we are currently on the Come Follow Me manual. For the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, and you can get that three ways one a physical copy at Deseret Books um, two you can download the app for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and do a library search for come follow me and then look for the week of November 1st through the 7th and finally, you can find it on the web at lds.org and do a library search there as well for Come Follow Me and find November 1st through the 7th. So today's lesson is titled, A Voice of Gladness for the Living and the Dead. And we are covering a couple of sections the first one is called, The Lord Wants Me to Care for My Family. Two, The Lord Knows My Joys and Sorrows. Three, Whatsoever you record on earth shall be recorded in heaven. Fourth, The salvation of my ancestors is essential to my salvation. So there you have it. Incredible stuff that we're going to hear about. Um, and so I'm going to start with the summary, which is always my favorite. And it says, In August 1840, a grieving Jane Naaman listened to the prophet Joseph Smith speak at the funeral of his friend Seymour Brunson's, Brunson. Jane's own teenage son Cyrus had also recently passed away. Adding to her grief was the fact that Cyrus had never been baptized and Jane worried what this would mean for his eternal soul. 
Joseph knew how she felt. He had wondered the same thing about his beloved brother, Elvin, who also died before being baptized. So the prophet decided to share with Jane and everyone else at the funeral what the Lord had revealed to him about those who had died without receiving the ordinances of the gospel and what we can do to help them. The doctrine of baptism for the dead thrilled the saints. Their thoughts turned immediately to the deceased parents, grandparents, and other family members. Now there was hope for them. Joseph had shared their joy, and he used joyful, enthusiastic language to express what the Lord taught him about the salvation of the dead. Let the mountains shout for joy, and all ye valleys cry out loud, and all ye seas and dry lands tell the wonders of your eternal King. So, I want to preface this chapter or this lesson by saying that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't the exact same thing with all of his children. Every single child to him is precious. Their souls are precious. And he will give everyone the same opportunity to accept the gospel and the Savior um, of their own free will and choice. He will not force anyone to heaven. And so... With that, as I was saying, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's going to give all of his children the same opportunity to live with him again. So many people think that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has an odd practice uh, when they hear about us doing baptism for the dead and uh, marriages for the dead and etc., etc., and I just want you guys to know that it is not an odd practice. This has been done from the beginning of time uh, since death has occurred. And you guys, um, there's mention of that in Corinthians in the Bible. And so um, we'll go ahead and, and read some of that so you guys can see how it's mentioned there. So I'm going to read um, some of those scriptures as we come along them. So um, the first section here that I want to start on says, the Lord wants me to care for my family. It says, after returning home from a mission to England, one of my many missions he served, Brigham Young received another important calling from the Lord to take special care of his family who had suffered in his absence. As you ponder how this and other counsel in section 126 applies to you, consider these words from Sister Bonnie L. Oscarson from Young Women General President. She said, Remember that some of the greatest needs may be those right in front of you, 
begin your service in your own homes and within your own families. These are the relationships that can be eternal, even if, and maybe especially if, your family situation is less than perfect. You can find ways to serve, lift, and strengthen. Begin where you are, love them as they are, and prepare for the family you want to have in the future. I love that. And so we're going to read the first verse here. It says, DNC 126.3, I therefore command you to send my word abroad and take special care of your family from this time henceforth and forever. Amen. So that scripture says, take care of our families forever. From this time forth and forever. So it's a great responsibility, guys. Being a parent is the hardest thing on the face of the earth. So on, we are so overworked and under uh, rewarded in any way, shape, or form. Um, and we do our best to show our love and support for our children to the best of our abilities and to the best of how we were raised. And we certainly need better tools, all of us, on how to do that more effectively. And so um, I'm still doing that myself, learning and growing on how to be a better parent. And at this point, I will be a better grandparent than I was ever a parent, which is makes me sad. But... Um, nonetheless, just know that there's plenty of tools out there to help us become better um, people to serve the needs of our families, our immediate family, because yes, those are the people we want to be with forever. So um, forever is a long time, and we want to prepare the best way possible for that next phase of our lives which will be forever this is a temporary life and everything we do here definitely carries weight for the next life so i pray and hope that we will all do our best to strengthen the relationships we have here because at the end, that is all that we are taking with us, the love and support we gave to one another here will go with us to the next life. There's no house, no car, no money. None of your material possessions are going to make it to the next life. Only your knowledge, your testimony, your good deeds of who you are as in a character um, and your relationships with your loved ones. So we have to work really hard to make those the best that we can. So um, on this section it says, the Lord knows my joys and sorrows. Um, 
going back to Joseph Smith's time, it says false accusations and the threat of arrest had again forced Joseph Smith into hiding in August 1842. And yet the words he wrote to the saints during this time are full of optimism and joy. What do verses 3 to 4 teach you about God and about how you can face personal trials? So we're going to read that a little bit right now. But I want to just interject something here. Um, Joseph Smith had a lot of persecution um, for saying that he had seen God and Jesus Christ and for him starting um, the Restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, a lot of people were not ready to accept that. It was, you know, going against everything they knew. And therefore, when uneducated people who are set in their ways, who are not open to God himself and to other people, uh, will always act in fear of the unknown and persecute people, um, claiming all kinds of evil against them um, because in their mind that is the best way to defend what they have done traditionally forever. And so to me that's just the uneducated way of dealing with change. Some people just don't like change. so sadness because change brings progress and um, without progress you are literally just putting yourselves in a position of um, becoming um, you know just being stagnant and you'll always feel like the victim but nobody's putting you down you're you're doing that yourself by not choosing to change or progress or move forward in life and just rather being stuck in your ways. So I've been there, done that myself, but I've had to force myself to accept change and to embrace change for the sake of progress and betterment. Um, and so Joseph Smith went through a lot because of the persecution of these uneducated people um, and they certainly uh, did not act following the law. Uh, there were corrupt judges then, corrupt governors and whatever not trying to take the freedom of religion away from people and persecuting them. Sound familiar? Just like today. Goodness gracious. I don't know that we've learned anything new since Back in the day when Joseph Smith was going through this, through this in 1842, um, but that just speaks to, you know, lack of education can just go on for generations and generations. So I'm just saying this is so relevant to what we're doing today. I hope uh, we can all learn from this. So it says here, we're going to read those two verses um, on Doctrine and Covenants 127, 
And as for the perils which I am called to pass through, they seem but a small thing to me, and the envy and wrath of man have been my common lot all the days of my life. And for what cause it seems mysterious, unless I was ordained from before the foundation of the world for some good end or bad, as you may choose to call it, judge ye for yourselves. God knoweth all things. Uh-oh, I lost my, my spot again. Okay, uh, God knoweth all things, whether it be good or bad, but nevertheless, deep water is what I'm, I am wont to swim in. It all has become a second nature to me, and I feel like Paul to glory in tribulation, for to this day has the God of my fathers delivered me out of them all and will deliver me from henceforth for behold and lo I shall triumph over all my enemies for the Lord God hath spoken it let all the saints rejoice therefore and be exceedingly glad for Israel's God is their God and he will meet our just a just recompense of reward upon the heads of all their oppressors. And again, verily thus saith the Lord, let the work of my temple, okay, I lost myself again, so sorry. Um, let the work of my temple and all the works which I have appointed unto you be continued on and not cease. And let your diligence and your perseverance and patience in your works be redoubled, and you shall in no wise lose your reward, saith the Lord of hosts. And if they persecute you, so persecuteth they the prophets. And righteous men were before you for all this. There is a reward in heaven. So I love these scriptures. Um, they talk about... Mm -hmm, the injustices that happen, but how um, God has a purpose in everything. And Joseph Smith knew that he would triumph over all his foes. Um, triumph in the sense that he never recanted uh, anything different than he had at first because he knew it was the truth. And he did pay the ultimate price. He died for saying he saw God in Jesus Christ and that um, God has commanded him to restore the church of Jesus Christ to the earth so that all the things that were lost when the apostles died were now being brought back, restored for all mankind to partake and prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. So people may say, well, he didn't triumph over all his foes, but I'm telling you, even though he died as a martyr and it doesn't seem like he got away, um, he triumphed over all of them because he kept his testimony. He kept preaching till the end and doing what God wanted him to do. And now he's on the other side rightfully enjoying the rewards 
of his labored uh, work and persecution that led to his death. So um, the reward will be so much worth whatever it is we may go through here on the earth and we just hope we are strong till the end. Um, and so Joseph Smith was very well acquainted with his with sorrow um, for living the commandments of God and living through the persecution that the uneducated and wicked and evil people in high places in society and political realm inflicted upon him because of that. So, like I said, no changes nowadays that that is happening again. And so uh, just know that any injustices here will be rewarded uh, by God to us. Um, and those wicked people will pay the price for their wickedness. So God is just and God is merciful. And so we need not take vengeance into our own hands because then you're taking away the blessings for the next life with that. So it says here, whatsoever you record on earth shall be recorded in heaven what are they talking about? Let's see here. It says, as you read DNC 127, 5 through 8 and 128, 1 through 8, look for the reasons why the Lord gave Joseph Smith such specific instructions about recording baptisms for the dead. So as you remember, I was talking about how we do baptisms for the dead. This was restored to the earth. Um, Paul did the same thing in, in old days. And um, they are to be kept in great order and record um, because we're writing the names of the people in the book of life. Um, and so, and people will be judged by those books and so and those records. So let's see here, 127 says, and I give unto you a word in relation to the baptism for your dead. Verily does saith the Lord unto you concerning your dead. When any of you are baptized for your dead, let there be a recorder and let him be an eyewitness of your baptisms. Let him hear with, your, he, with his ears that he may testify of a truth, saith the Lord, that in all your recordings it may be recorded in heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth may be bound in heaven. Okay, where is it now? Saith the Lord. Um, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. For I am about to restore many things to the earth pertaining to the priesthood, saith the Lord of hosts. So I told you that he was restoring many things that were lost in the days of Jesus Christ and the, with the death of the apostles. And he was bringing everything back through Joseph Smith. Um, and so the second part here was the restoration. So basically, he wants us to keep a great record of the things we do here for the 
those that have passed away because that is what they're going to be judged by in the next life because that speaks that we gave them an opportunity for them to accept the baptism um, and accept Jesus Christ. And so even though they're in the spirit world, um, they can still choose to accept that or not. And so if they don't, that is their choice. But God will say, well, see here, so-and-so got baptized for you and you said no. So that is a record of the baptism and you declined accepting the baptism. So therefore, you are now being held responsible for not accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Whatever that may look like, we're all just going to be held accountable based on the records that are kept here. And whatever is loosed, loosened here, it will be loosened in heaven. So all based on the priesthood. The next part says the salvation of my ancestors is essential to my salvation. Why so? Let's find out. It is clear from what God revealed through Joseph Smith why our ancestors who weren't baptized in this life need our help for their salvation. But why do you think our ancestors' salvation is necessary and essential for our salvation? Um, verse 5 teaches that the ordinance of baptism for the dead was prepared before the foundation of the world. What does this truth teach you about God and his plan? What does President Henry B. Iring say, gathering family of God? So let's read these scriptures on 128, 15 through 18. And now, my dearly beloved brethren and sisters, let me assure you that these are principles in relation to the dead and the living that cannot be lightly passed over as pertaining to our salvation. For their salvation is necessary and essential to our salvation, as Paul says concerning the fathers, that they without us cannot be made perfect, neither can we without our dead be made perfect. And 16, and now, in relation to the baptism for the dead, I will give you another quotation of Paul, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And verse 17, and again in connection with this quotation, I give you a quotation from one of the prophets who said his eye fixed on the restoration of the priesthood, the glories to be revealed in the last days, and is in a special manner this most glorious of all subjects belonging to the everlasting gospel, namely the baptism for the dead. For Malachi says in the last chapter, verses, verse 5th and 6th, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a sore curse. Verse 18, I might have rendered a plainer translation to this, but it is sufficiently plain to suit my purpose as it stands. It is sufficient to know in this case that the earth will be smitten with a curse unless there is a wielding link of some kind or other between the fathers and the children upon some 
subject or other, and behold, what is the subject? It is the baptism of the for the dead. For we without them cannot be made perfect, neither can they without us be made perfect, neither can they nor we be made perfect without those who have died in the gospel also. For it is necessary in the ushering of the dispensation of the fullness of times, which dispensation is now beginning to usher in the dispensation of the fullness of times, which dispensation is now beginning to usher in that a whole and complete and perfect union and welding together of dispensations and keys and powers and glory should be should take place and be revealed from the days of Adam even to the present time. And not only this, but those which never have been revealed from the days of Adam even to the present time. And not only this, but those which never have been revealed from the foundation of the world, but have been kept hid from the wise and the prudent shall be revealed unto the babes and suckling in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. So, this is part of the prophecies that this will be needed in the last days. But you see, this was from the days of Adam, um, even to the present time. So, this is not something just created out of the blues from Joseph Smith. He was truly following the Lord. Um, and it says here, Joseph Smith used phrases like binding power, welding link, and perfect union when teaching about the priesthood ordinances of baptism for the dead. It says, look for these similar phrases as you read. What are some of the things that Joseph, that through Jesus Christ can be bound together because of the priesthood ordinances for the dead? Why is bold a good word to describe the doctrine of salvation of the dead? Um... I I'm, I think it's bold just because um, nobody ever thinks about the dead. But you remember one thing that I've always said. Um, God loves everyone. And if... And God will work to save every soul that has lived in days of old is currently living and will come later. Um, that is just how he operates. So if for some reason your own religious beliefs does not include saving the dead, then that is not following what God is because he is no respecter of persons. Everyone is worth the same before him. So every church that truly believes in the true living God and Jesus Christ should have the restoration of doing these ordinances for the dead in place. And if they don't, you should pray and reconsider um, where you're at. Because he has placed everything 
um, he does things in order through the authority of the priesthood. So if one thing is missing, then it's not the right way. So and remember, you're, you, you don't ever leave your what you learned in your religion behind unless it's like the church of the devil but you know um, there's only a few of those the majority of the people are Christians and believe in Jesus Christ so you take all the good you have and you add the stuff that is missing um, to make it better so just know that the dead are a vital part of our salvation and they need to be part of your religion and your ordinances done in your church and if not then you know there's something missing that is God wants to have happen so and I hope nobody thinks I'm bashing your religious beliefs because they may not include the dead no, I'm just saying God loves everyone and he would never leave anybody out, no matter what. So I'm saying consider whether your church includes the dead. And if not, uh, it's time for you to figure out why, because we want to be able to do things the right way. And so that's all I'm saying. So nobody take it personal and nobody come at me for saying that. All right, so the dead are part of our salvation and our progress, and um, we too become part of their salvation and their progress because we both need each other to be able to get to a point where God will, would have given everybody the opportunity to accept the gospel in Jesus Christ. And like I said, he's not going to force anybody to heaven. It will be our own free will and choice. And so he's trying to give all his kids and spurred children that same choice. So with that, just know that... Um, God just basically wants for all his children to have the same opportunities. And so this lesson that is titled um, A Voice of Gladness for the Living and the Dead, it truly, can you imagine all of the heartache and grief of parents that have lost their children, not only as babies, but as, you know, teens or adults, and have parents and family members feeling the grief and the loss of not knowing that they will see their loved ones in the next life again and better yet that they can help them accept the gospel and Jesus Christ 
um, in the spirit world by doing those baptisms for them here and all the other things that they couldn't do while they were in the flesh. Can you imagine how much hope and gladness that brings to people? I mean, we're talking about miscarriages and um, aborted babies and whatever not. Those children will have all the same opportunities you and I have had. And there is no greater joy to know that your loved ones will have everything at their power to still have the best life in the next life should they choose to accept that. And so, wow, I, I mean, that is the best hope anybody and the best news that anybody can have. For people that have lost loved ones and the knowledge that families, family ties are forever uh, is just a beautiful uh, religion. And that is truly the religion of God, our Father, who is all-inclusive no matter who we are, no matter whether we lived for a minute, not even, or, you know. 110 years, it doesn't matter. We all get the same chances. So, God bless you and your family and all of us to have the strength and courage to accept our Savior, Jesus Christ, and accept the plan of salvation that is out there to lead and guide our lives and to bring us the peace uh, and joy that it can give us in the midst of all this chaos. Is my prayer for you and your family. So Rosa Garcia signing off for Why Jesus.